we all are part of something bigger and we're living in in times where we have like a lot of polarizations the lack of trust is increasing how people interact with each other is is changing this is a revolution you know what time oh. this is where ali can judge from go Hello and welcome to Bridging the Gap with me, your host, Charles Basile. As global CMO at The Absolute Company, I'm in constant search for new insights and different perspectives. I'm trying to bridge the gap and help connect people. One good way of doing this is to talk to people who have expert knowledge where I know I come up a bit short. So to get a discussion going on the opportunities that may arise when we can close gaps. For this, my fifth episode, I'm giving a high five to a true diversity expert. She's a social entrepreneur and founder of the company, Part of More. Hi, and a warm welcome to Soledad, Pinero, Misa. It's a real privilege to have you with us today on Bridging the Gap. And today we're going to be talking about bridging the gap in terms of culture. Uh, so I thought, honestly, I've met you once before over lunch and uh, we had the opportunity early on to chat to one another. You're an incredible human being uh, and your CV reads the same. Uh, you know, I was, go- I was going through it uh, as you do before um, a chat like this, but, you know, you've done everything from being social mission manager for Ben and Jerry's to supporting, you know, refugee rights. You're running a digital facilitation and training agency now called Part of Ball. And we were talking about... Uh, a TV program that you did for the police. Yeah. It's quite incredible. Like, where, where does all of the energy come from? Where does, like, how do you do this? Oh, the energy comes from my heart, I would say. And just like, yeah, I've just wanted to live my heart out and the joy of co-creating and doing things together with others. Yeah, I would say the energy comes from there. <laughs> and the, the compassion and the empathy that you have is very clear uh, in the work that you do, but just in the human that you are. Where, where do you think that compassion, that pathos for social cohesion comes from? Where, where did it start? Wow, I, I definitely think I inherited from my parents. I'm the daughter of political refugees. They came to Sweden I grew up in a very multicultural area called Rosengård in Malmö. And my parents were still like, we were like temporarily living in Sweden the first period (laughs) of my life. And they just wanted to move back as soon as it was possible. So they were really engaged in the political situation of South America. And for me, it was more like the injustices that surrounded me in Rosengård in Malmö in Sweden. And I guess that's why I started really early to be engaged when it comes to integration and diversity and working against racism. And then sort of fast forward to <clears throat> starting part of more. Yeah. What was, the, what was the thinking? Like, where did that come from? It's an incredible, uh, incredible institution by the sounds of things. Mm. Um, and everything that I've, I've, I read about it suggests that it's truly about transformation. Yeah. So you know, what, what gave rise to that for you, Soledad? I think it was a journey. I always have to say it's like, even when I was working in different leadership positions and in the NGO sector, and even when I was working for Ben & Jerry's when I was driving the social enterprise retoy, I always had like kind of my own consultancy business by the side because (laughs) 
because I love facilitating and give, doing trainings and, and things. But after Ben and Jerry's, I felt like, no, I just really want to co-create things. It was also a period in my life where I, I had the privilege to make a lot of mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> mistakes, oh are <laughs> mistakes are good. Mistakes are good. Yeah, or like things that like backfired yeah. in ways or it didn't really go as expected. So that's why I thought it's like, okay, let's restart. And it just came since I really also felt like we're all part of something more, both as individuals and uh -huh. also how we interact and co-create. And also since I had this urgency to continue to participate and facilitate cross-sectoral collaborations yeah. and to work for diversity and inclusion, and also to participate in facilitating new social innovations. So, so a bunch of actually friends or ex-colleagues, we get together and, and founded Pottermore. I love the way you describe that everybody should feel like they're part of more. Yeah. I mean, I can identify in many ways growing up as a Lebanese kid in South Africa. Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to today, why, why do you think it's so important right now? I think we, we're all more than we actually see in ourselves. And we also all are part of something bigger. And we're living in, in times where we have like a lot of polarizations, yeah. a lot of lack, the lack of, tr of trust is increasing. Uh, also, yeah, how people interact with each other is, is changing. And I think we all also need to come back to to, it's like to our humanness and that we're all human and we're all connected in one way. But I also think that many of the challenges that we see in society today are because we're kind of numb and disconnected also like within ourselves. And that's why we can run over ourselves and other persons uh, as well, like disconnect from other people. I think it's, it's always been a part of humanity. It's not that it's like, oh, now we're behaving that way, but... We live in a period of time where like so many challenges are like undercurrents that are crossing each other and we're living in very uncertain times. Um, both with like the post-pandemic, the wars that are going on, the, what we have done to climate and the, the consequences of that. But also, yeah, the increased polarization and lack of trust. So, so when you think about that reality <clears throat> where, you know, particularly stock markets are driven by competition yeah. and a lot of businesses about competition mm -hmm. um, and, the, and the need to bring in diverse thinking so that the inadvertent consequences of our actions are avoided. Yeah. You spoke about planet and society. I guess you, the role that you bring with part of more in, in, your, in your personal mission of facilitating, looking for synergies, uh, and, and you speak about synergizers. Yeah. Uh, what is it that you What is it that you mean by that? Is that of like in one? I think like coming back to the the first part of your yeah, question yeah, yeah. about the competition, yeah. of course, and we have it, and that's why I think it's important to be grounded in kind of what is division, what is important for us, and also some values. I think the values, for me, it's always like to be grounded in the values and to have a clear vision enables also to facilitate diversity. 
And so, of course, if you build a team or a group or like you as an individual, you have to know it's like, okay, where am I going and what values am I founded in? But it, when we start working, sometimes we go against some values or we have values that actually are contradicting each other. Yeah. And that's also something that I always like seeing is like, okay, now if I take this decision, I will contradict this value. And if I take this and to... For me, it's like an everyday exercise. It's yeah. not that I'm like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and to take, but to stop and more make more conscious uh, decisions. But I also, it's like, even I believe in playing. I believe in collaboration. I don't think that competition is totally bad. Yeah. I, I used to yeah. try to define myself. It's like, I don't compete. And I remember my ex-boyfriend, it was like, what? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because we work together as well. But um <laughs> And I, so it's like it's it's a part of a driving force, but it's it's also I think we still need to come to our face where we try to see what's best for all. And competition is definitely in the way of that. And the way maybe that I didn't define myself as someone's like I'm a, I'm an optimizer. I like to always like do things the best possible way. Yeah. And that could be presumed as that I'm competitive, which I probably am but i'm really happy if someone else's win <laughs> i don't have a problem with that and i'm really happy when someone else is like and that's a quality that i think that we need also to enable more and then you had some other and now we're like i don't know if i answer all yeah questions. no 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 then i was the talking synergy. about synergy yeah yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a big yeah. question. I was like, there's I was a lot like, going la, on la, in la, this, la. bringing it all together. <laughs> no, it's good. Um, I'm actually usually the one asking yeah, questions. I know, and I, know, I do yeah. the same. It's like you ask so many things in one question and it's not Sorry, yeah. easy no, to follow. <laughs> <laughs> but the synergy is, is that it's like not all groups, if comparing also the children and CEOs, some groups you put together and all the sums create something more. And some groups don't reach that state. And synergies, they're facilitating a process so everything, like different part, becomes something more. And also facilitating like cross-sectoral collaboration, like different things that create new solutions and, and innovations in a very aware way. I, I have to say this is where my personal values really, you know, uh, connect with exactly what you've said. Um, I was given advice by, you know, one of my previous mentors that you should always strive to be the, the person in the room who's the least smart. Mm. You should surround yourself with really smart people. And I, and I guess there's something in this idea of diversity, surrounding yourself with people who yeah. you come with a different perspective that really brings and optimizes the outcome yeah, in a I, way that you didn't expect, right? Yeah, I love working with people that are better than me. Yeah. I was like, oh, it's the best thing ever. And I always surround myself with amazing stars. I mean, I'm, I'm fun and I'm good at facilitating, but I need like really good people and which, experts which by the way from my perspective must mean that they are superstars because i think you know really uh, what you're doing is uh, is exceptional so mm. you, you can be very very just, uh, very happy with that i'm sure yeah. now it sounds like but when you're holding like a bigger creation together yeah. and that's the, it's something that it's kind of that's why it's like maybe like part of more it's like you're part of something bigger and that's where when groups can work well together also when they have like a vision at least since it doesn't maybe turn out exactly that way because maybe it turns out much better or like something yeah. different happens but what's important is what you 
the the sum or like the more that you're creating uh, in one way to, together. And then that also for me, it rests my ego in a way that I really love. <laughs> it's like I like myself more when my ego is rested. It's yeah. not... And but that's also also linking to both working within groups or in society. It's big. We have a challenge. Um, also now that more people are feeling that they don't trust each other or insecure, and also that's why I think it's so important in workplaces as well. We know that for diversity to thrive, we need psychological safety for yeah. groups to to work, and we need also to foster that or like in one way celebrate that sense of belonging so not everybody feels that they belong and for me it also has been a, a a journey to actually be rested in my belonging and only then i can actually contribute so you know this this term that you used psychological safety yeah i mean it's come up a lot recently uh, in literature for me at least and you know I, I work in an environment where there are creative people there are business people and ultimately, we want to use the idea that creativity will connect and engage with people in order for our business to succeed. Um, this balancing act between competition and optimization you know, alongside psychological safety, could you give me some advice on how to balance that? Wow. I think in that it's also like being... I think it, it has to be a leader that actually is really safe yeah. itself, that actually holds what, you, what you're what you co-creating, uh, but also that it's not afraid of, of mistakes. And the way the leader in way, embodies certain values that are important yeah. creates that psychological safety. If you have an insecure leader that judges or that competes or that gets insecure, um it's hard for the group to be to feel safe. And in that is also a way in, in, in accepting all vulnerability that we're not perfect and even as leaders we make mistakes and but it's 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 always that challenge. Like you have to hold a clear vision and have that safety, but at the same time there's so many things that we actually don't know. <laughs> and so so yeah, I would say yeah, that both like to be grounded but also being vulnerable and very honest and and not and create a culture where it's okay also to make mistakes but as long as you always keep on learning from those mistakes or using them in in the process and I think only if a leader is not so competitive or open with the challenges of not competing <laughs> then it's easier for the rest of the group there's some tools that you have some some concepts that you've developed to help leaders to do that, to help teams to go on that journey. And one of the things uh, that I've read about is the diversity enrichment accelerator. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I can, and I can tell that actually we are like redesigning it right now. Yeah. So it's really like in a disruptive moment, yeah. which is fun. Yeah. <laughs> but also because it's always been a challenge working I used to work a lot with diversity trainings, and then, yeah, I, I have to admit, I got kind of tired of grown-ups, so I started a social <laughs> enterprise with... Can I, can I be t totally honest? I get tired of grown-ups, okay. too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I was just like, wow, we're so full of shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I think it's okay. It's a podcast. It's, we're not on, on the. Uh, I'm looking no, but... at the studio. They said it's fine. <laughs> I love it. Thank you for being human. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, that's how I thought. It's like, it's more fun to work with kids. Yeah, They're like, I also agree. because, yeah. And so I started a social, and like actually an anti-racist, I don't know. It was like uh, the core of it was creating more diversity and inclusion, but doing it in a way that it wasn't so, so yeah. So I started a social enterprise with my son and other kids. But then it was still like, so we need facilitation and we need training. And I was, we started getting questions about like diversity and inclusion. So we created the diversity enrichment program. But I, and we tested it with a couple of companies and organizations, and it felt like, I don't know if we're doing the right thing. It's, so now we're like reviewing it and also try to get in like other views and other experts to see also because so many things are changing. And I have yeah. this, also for me, it's like, how do we create things that are, that actually create transformation, not to do things or just sell things because there is a need, and also more like reacting to demands more than like, no, this is what we believe in. So we're, we're looking at it and also to see like, how do we have like more like skill-based recruitment and how do we actually create cultures with psychological safety and how do we both in one way, that's, that's how I think the balance that we, we also yeah. included in the program is uh, to work with both facing facts when it comes to post-colonialism and racism and systemic racism and white supremacy that we have all over the world. Um, and at the same time and seeing how it affects us and our, our bias, the way we make decisions, uh, but also in one way working to not discriminating to increase diversity, but in a way that we don't always, I don't like being reduced just to having immigrant background or being a woman, mm. but there are factors that it's, it's just finding that way that is like, how do you increase in diversity without stigmatizing or without reducing people to labels? So, yeah. What, what are I your love thoughts on that? <laughs> no, but what I, what I love about the, uh, what I love about the way you've described it, firstly, is you're living your values. So you spoke earlier on about optimizing, which you're doing, yeah. about diversity of thinking. So you're bringing in new thinking about yeah. being open to making mistakes, which sounds like you're saying, "Hey, we tried this. We we trying something else." I think you know, honestly, for me, that's a um, an example of living one's values. So thank you for mm. sharing that. Uh, Thank you. Uh, and imbued in some of the things you were saying about not being reduced to labels, but understanding the reality of gender, race, sexual orientation, um, the, the, I guess uh, it, it demands that we understand the facts. Yeah. And you refer sometimes to your, you and your, your team as factivists. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, what's the, tell us a little bit about what it's that then means. Also, it's like, I think that to enable transformation, we have to be able to meet facts and not dodge them and uh and from that like create something from what is to what it can be yeah i also being like an optimizer and an idealist i want things to be much better than they are <laughs> yeah. that's great but, <laughs> but not facing the facts and 
But another challenge with this, even if we say we're factivists, is I always try to see like facts and research before we start doing something, is that we're also very aware that we all, even if we work with it daily, we all have unconscious bias. And our unconsciousness is something that we can't see. But usually it shows in the results. So it's always like meeting fact. It's like, what are the results telling us? Is this really, and also waiting a bit because it can look like, oh, this is so good, but it was just like a balloon or something that just, I don't know, that it's not sustainable. Um, but with that, it's just, it's just a reminder. Always try to meet facts. Don't make such, don't, don't do so many things based on assumptions or feelings. For me, it was also, I mean, um, even if I grew up in Sweden, I have a, Latin background, kind of intense, and it took me a while to realize I cannot trust my emotions, mm -hmm. and I have to like in one way it's like oh, but I have to come back to to facts, and but facts are also it's like what is true, what is not true, but always trying to maintain that dialogue and try to see what are the facts, but at the same time as you know you work a lot with innovation and things, and it's also like also if I do the the comparison to children again, and I'm still like working in children's mm -hmm. projects. It's it's both having facts to certain things, but also allowing like a lot of imagination and fantasy and children can create these amazing solutions because they're not limiting only to what is. They can also see like other possibilities. So it's a balance with that. What are your... <laughs> what, what do you think about facts? Oh, no, no. I, I, what I was thinking about as you were uh, talking about this balance between emotion and facts and, you know, this Latin background and living in, in, in Northern Europe, um, I was reflecting on my own journey only over a couple of years uh, since moving to Northern Europe from South Africa mm -hmm. and this notion of kind of your gut and then the facts. Yeah. And it's interesting because often, you know, often the we feel kind of where we should be going. There's a feeling that you have. But in the world we live in, and I guess it makes sense, you've got to back it up with some data. Um, and by, you know, one of the, the big challenges that I, that I think that we have in the world of innovation and creativity is that data has become ever-present and uh, is available. Uh, we've become obsessed as businesses with converting data into knowledge and knowledge into action that then delivers better business results, which I think is, is true uh, and is a great way to optimize a business. Um, I guess the challenge will remain that in order to create a yeah. business, it requires imagination and some feeling and some projection beyond what the data can tell us. Exactly. And I think that balancing act is really, really important for us yeah. as business people. Yeah. And it's not one that often gets spoken about, you know, in the boardroom because we're often in the in the business of optimization. Mm. And so throwing a double question at you again, I'm sorry. Yeah, and but I have know, more questions. Yeah, yeah, you, of course. But, <laughs> but like what are the big challenges today for you and and what do you think the vision, what is your vision for the future? Wow. My vision for the future is to that we continue to participate in facilitating uh, processes, both like within companies, organizations, and new social innovations that really contribute to, to transformation in, in, in actually a more beautiful world <laughs> it would be my, my vision. I think we, 
with that said, we're living in a time, like with, I said in the beginning, that is very challenging. And that's why I think it's so important that we maintain uh, some values and also maintain a vision of uh, a humanity that we believe in. So it's more like facilitating and contributing. And only I think we can only do bigger creations together with other big companies. So it's like, that's why I have some questions about the absolute yeah. company, but also like when big companies that already are reaching out and to many people and also are doing business in a good way, when they also have a commitment to something more or to also in one way, sometimes it's just also seeing all the value that you're creating. Um, but my vision is to that to and when we contribute to more to a more humane world but also a more fun and more beautiful world <laughs> you know amen I mean? to that yeah, yeah. Well, what's your vision um i mean very similar to yours you know this idea that we've all been gifted with a talent uh we've all been given something and you know how do we use what we've been given to make the world a better place Mm. Um, and I think that's really what attracted me to the brand that I'm working with for the last few years, which is Absolute. Mm. The, the, the purpose of the brand, as it's defined, is to break the ice to create a more open world. Mm. Uh, and coming from my background and coming from my own sort of life experience, this idea of um, bringing people in, mm. allowing people to dance, giving people the chance to be the best that they can be, does indeed break, you know, by breaking the ice between us, mm. you do create a much more open world, and that leads to a better outcome, ultimately. So, Soledad, what I'm hearing is authentic values lived at every level in the organization uh, and ensuring that we, you know, we believe, ultimately, that diversity and inclusion can transform business positively and therefore continue on the journey despite whatever resistance might come our way. Yes. Yes. Very it's, good. <laughs> it's, a, it's been a, trying to say, it's been a, it's been an absolute pleasure, a, a genuinely an absolute pleasure. Thank you. I've, oh, yeah. uh, I've learned a lot from the conversation and really nice to spend time with you. Thank you. Solidarity. Yeah. Thank you so much. This is a revolution. You know what time is. This is where Ali can judge from gold.